Hello and welcome to the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm Lee Carlo, here with Jeremy Fisk, and welcoming back Chapin Hemingway after thank his you. absence thank on you, the quick you. fix. Uh, today we are going to be discussing, for no particular reason, <laughs> Brian De Palma's 1983 film Scarface, starring Al Pacino. We may spend a little bit of time talking about Howard Hawks' 1932 original Scarface, originally titled Scarface Shame of a Nation. And then we've got another game to try, everybody. It's going to be Jeremy against Chapin this time. I'm going to be running the show. I'll explain it when we get there. But before then... Okay. So what do you call yourself? Eh? Como se llama? Antonio Montana. And you? What you call yourself? Where'd you learn to speak the English, Tony? Uh, in a school. And my father, he was uh, from the United States. Just like you, you know. He was a Yankee. Uh, I used to take me a lot to the movies, you know. I learned. I watched the guys like uh, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney. They, they teach me to talk. I like those guys. I always know one day I'm coming here, United States. Scarface. And it didn't fall into the category of any of our, you know, our segments. You know, it's not a 20-year anniversary or anything like that. came out 37 years ago. Uh, it's not Jeez. a just effing watch it. We've all seen it a few times. I know. I literally wrote, came out 37 years ago in parentheses. Wow. That seems way longer ago than <laughs> yeah. it actually was. Um, you know, we all have seen it before, probably more than once. We all possibly own it. Um if we didn't ourselves, we definitely knew somebody in college that had the poster on their dorm room wall. So this is a movie that we're very familiar with, mm-hmm. but we felt like now is the time to revisit it. And so I'm going to break protocol a little bit. I'm going to answer my own question first, um, but I kind of want to ask why we wanted to revisit this. And for me, it's always that this movie was nagging at me. You know, it's a movie that I just felt like it probably or maybe wasn't as good as I remembered and I wanted to find out if that was true or not okay. so that was the whole point of this revisit for me you know it's a, like a, a movie I'm familiar with I didn't expect a lot of surprises but I really wanted to know is this a good movie because this is on the, a lot of top lists top crime movies top gangster movies top movies of the 80s like it's a well-regarded film critically and commercially. Um, so, so I'm curious I, I'm sorry, about, is, for is you that, guys. Is that true? Is it well-regarded critically? I mean, I know that, like, I don't really know his reputation. I mean, I know his reputation 
amongst you know kind of like college age men and rappers and you know i know i know it's important in that kind of arena because that's how so, i got into scarface but is it uh <laughs> is it like a well so being a rapper movie? the the meta score can be a little bit deceptive it has a 68 i think on metacritic 65 right. um if you look at the breakdown though you've got a lot of hundreds a lot of 80s and then you've got a couple 25s and so it's very polarizing but the majority of the reviews are extremely positive roger ebert's metacritic score is 100 Mm. um martin scorsese has has praised this movie uh so i think at least at a in a time at one time this movie was very well regarded um i'm curious though before we get to that why you guys wanted to revisit this because you jumped on the prospect right away like it wasn't you didn't ask me why you just i said let's revisit scarface and you both seemed excited about the idea yeah that's a great question um well i I think it's a a really i don't know it's it's like a you know we the last couple movies we've done have been these kind of arty slow moving um movies that you know take a lot of contemplation to break down and and this movie is very pulpy and um kind of in, enjoyable to watch um you know just sort of innately um mm-hmm. and i i think that uh i think because of that it makes it interesting to analyze in other words like it's a movie that has definitely stood the test of time it's still something people talk about to this day you know it's not like we think about this like you know, look at any other movie from 1983. I couldn't tell you another movie. Maybe Return of the Jedi came out then. I don't know. It's not a movie. I don't really. I don't really think about that time period. Um, but it's obviously a film that people still talk a lot about. And so I'm I'm interested as, as to why that is. Kind of you know why why does this movie stand the test of time and why is it still in our consciousness? Okay. I think for me it's two parts. Part one of it is just simply what do I think of this movie now. I don't remember how, like, h- how serious uh, opinion I had back when I first saw it. Like, how entrenched of an actual opinion I had. Um, so that was part of it. It's like, what do I really think of this movie? Does it, it just seems like one of those movies that is of its time, with its music and its look and its design and what I remember as sort of over the top performances and i wanted to i wanted to know does that does that work as a whole like watching it now and then part two of that has to do with hip-hop culture and the fact that this movie got a second life through through that which was always curious to me because i always did remember the ending of this movie which (laughs) doesn't go well for our main protagonist and i always wondered sort of why that was so easily forgotten by people who sort of looked up to him as as a icon of luxury for lack of a better phrase so i really wanted to reconcile those things um and be able to know my actual opinion on this movie and that's why i was excited to see it again and i i know like Chapin said, it's going to be fun to watch either way, whether I liked it or I didn't like it. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Well, and I'll also add, like, 
you know, we did Tarkovsky on the last full length podcast and he's a director I've just recently heard a lot about, but also, but De Palma is another one who we don't talk a lot about, but he's in that school of Lucas, uh, Spielberg, Coppola, Spielberg, Scorsese. Scorsese. Um, and he's not someone who we talk a lot about, but I think it's a miss for us. I mean, we, he's an interesting filmmaker. I don't know that he's like quite at the same level as those guys. Certainly he isn't in box office success, but I'm excited to talk about him because we don't really get to do that very often. Uh, I am too. And I want to get to that. Um, I know we've all seen the De Palma documentary. I at least have seen most of it. I didn't finish it, but I it got through the Scarface portion of it. Um, but guys, I, I kind of want to just dive right into it because I think it will lead us to more interesting places to do it this way. Did your revisit satisfy your curiosities or your, your purpose for revisiting it? I don't know. I feel like I'm going to come back to it in another 10 years <laughs> and wonder, did I like it? Um, because there are certain points of this movie, there are certain aspects of De Palma's directing in particular that I really enjoyed. I actually really liked Al Pacino's performance a lot in me this. Me too. That can, was what stood out to me. We can get, we can go back to that. Um, oh, Lee, you snob. But, but overall, overall, I think that this movie is a bit of a blunt instrument. Definitely. Um, purposely. And I think that makes it a little harder to get behind it being a great film mm. but there are really great pieces to it and also the fact that it's set in in that early portion of the 80s that is not a uh, a place i'd ever if i had a time machine it <laughs> yeah. would be the last place i'd want to go to but it's still interesting yeah. it, it's still very interesting to to watch it on screen and to to see what it's like a it's like an alien life um that you're sort of dropped down on um so i don't know i don't know what the answer is because part of it is like i really enjoyed it i enjoyed those aspects of it but part of it like i said it's just the movie is a bit too blunt to really be considered great so i'm I'm somewhere in between there i i will say i i did i think i fell down in the uh the old uh, I was a rapper, but I lost the second tape of uh, of Scarface <laughs> yeah. because yeah. the second half I think is is a lot. I don't know. I don't know that it's weaker from a filmmaking standpoint. And I hope we can explore that. But I, it's you know, Tony Montana. It's definitely his downfall, right? The second half is the downslope from when he gets caught by the FBI, um, all, all the way down to you know killing every important person in his life and ruining everything that is a lot inherently less interesting to watch for me. And so I don't know if it's actually the movie or it's just that you root for Tony in a weird way in the first half. But, um, I will say that like looking at it from a, from a higher level a little bit, the lessons to be learned, um, from this blunt instrument, I, I did feel were a little stale. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think when you're a, when you're in college and you're dreaming of, you know, being a millionaire and, you know, you're, you want to have tons of money and stuff like that. This is a useful film because it's like, you know, obviously exactly how to do it. It's a, yeah. At first it's an, it's an <laughs> instructional video for the first cassette. And then the second one is, well, maybe you should rethink this, but you know, it's, it's, I, I think, you know, taking some, what you can take away from Tony as a, as a real character is that money doesn't buy you anything. 
I mean, he had everything he ever wanted in terms of material items and money and status symbols, and he was ultimately unhappy with it. I mean, he was still a cranky son of a bitch. Um, and and so I, I think like you know, in the in the cocaine eighties, in the in the in the sort of height of the of the overconsumption of that time period and, and the importance of of money and status in in that uh, in that time, I think that that lesson might have been a little more, um, you know, interesting and 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 nuanced. But now it mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel that way to me. It felt like oh okay, I mean, this is we've seen this before, and a lot of people do try to emulate Scarface, and I don't know. I didn't find those lessons to be as poignant uh, this time around. All right, so here's one more thing before you go, Lee. Um, it was interesting seeing a Howard Hawks version first, and it colored my viewing of seeing this version of Scarface. Um, because the big difference I found in that sort of, if you want to go back to the lesson, is it wasn't for, for the Howard Hawks, Paul Muni version, it wasn't about the money. It was about the power. And in the Scarface version, I think the money and the opulence and the luxury, it was about the power too, but I think those other things were played up higher and more and, and much more heightened, which I think maybe it spoke to the time, but I also think it made it a little bit less of a... Um, of a, a good quality lesson. To your point, Chapin, about the lesson of this movie, and I think, Jeremy, this will help answer one of your questions in terms of why this movie appealed so much to the the hip-hop demographic and really anybody, is that I don't think this movie has a lesson. I think this movie fetishizes the idea of the world is yours and the rise and the power-hungry nature of its main character. The, the, yes, you see the downfall of Tony Montana and at the end of this movie, but then it's but it's glorious. He f- like and then they w- do a wide shot on his globe that says the world is yours. Like that's this movie is trying to continuously yeah, tell you the that the world is yours, but it means a totally different thing. In the original, and I don't want to compare the two completely, but in the original, the world is yours is talking to the audience, telling you that you are responsible for everything that's going on. You elected these government officials. Yeah, they come right out and say it in title cards. At the <laughs> they <beginning>. literally do. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It's, it's a different message that they're sending, and it's effective in the original one. Now, I love the original Scarface. It's always been uh, one of my favorite gangster movies. I still loved it. I watched it watched it recently. And I hated nearly every aspect of this movie this time oh. around, oh, which surprised me. Yes, which surprised wow. me. Um, I, like I said, there was always something nagging about this movie for me, and I, was, I, I did not expect it to be this drastic. But I found so much of this movie either just terrible or despicable or both um the acting i thought was terrible i thought uh al pacino was bad i think that's this is one of his worst performances Mm. um and it has nothing to do with the -the over-the-top nature of pacino it's the accent is terrible the lines of dialogue that he's given which are not his fault are terrible what the fuck does i always tell the truth even when i lie even mean like there's all this like like 
stuff crammed into this movie that they try to make look and sound cool. And like I said, fetishize this lifestyle. Well, and that, see, that's why mm. that's why you get this that's why you get this crowd of people looking up to Tony Montana and like fought, like trying to use this movie as a as an example of what it means to to rise up in this world. I don't and like mm. any interview you listen to with De Palma and the producer Bregman, they they fillet themselves over the how how brilliant it was that they panned away from the chainsaw scene and that you know you see the reactions of violence and 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 you see blood but you never actually see the violence and then they follow that up with people getting machine gunned across the street and <laughs> Pacino blowing a guy's head off in a car while saying you die motherfucker like they just so which is it like they just yeah. It's just this overly gratuitous, glorified, violent movie that has no message. The fall, uh, the downfall is there in the story, but it is not there in the themes. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I Look, I think I, I don't, I agree with you about the violence. I think the violence, to say that they didn't glorify the violence is absurd. Um, right. But I don't think, I think this movie is very clearly a lesson to not be like Tony Montana, a cautionary tale, a cautionary yeah. tale, um, and I, I think, and it's it's hard to look back. I mean, you you said this like forty, nearly forty years ago. This film, you know, is the set decoration. Are the costumes like are are those indicative of what you know people were wearing back then, or is the Palma telling us like this is an because abs- it, it to our to our eyes it looks. Everything looks ridiculous. I mean, their style of right. talking, their costumes, their the, where they live, everything is sort of tacky and and gaudy. I think and gaudy exactly. I think that that's intentional because you know there, there are other moments where you don't feel that way and things that you you don't look that way and and so I think that this movie is uh, is definitely a cautionary tale. I don't think that they're on the side of Tony at all. Although you do root for him much in the same way you kind of root for Howard Ratner in Uncut Gems, maybe not quite to that same um, degree, but I, I do think that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about uh, why you turned on it so, so viciously, but um, I don't know. For me, I kind of embraced the excess in this the excess of the pacino performance which i actually stood out for me in this in this film the excess of the lifestyles and and it as kind of a time capsule of a of a place and time and people that you know doesn't really exist anymore um and for that i i appreciated it i just found look look it began with some of the stuff you're talking about which is not really is more is more on me than it is on the movie. The 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 eighties decor, the the music in this movie, I just hated. And well, can it, yeah, I mean, it, but the the so, soundtrack works for the movie the, a little bit. But I, there's some parts the of the soundtrack I like. But, we can get to that. I think the score is terrible. But oh, I well, so I don't like either. Like the the push well, it to like the, the limit music. scene, like the push it to the limit montage is yeah. But that's I don't that's like and coming through twenty twenty eyes. Exactly. So I'm, I, I admit that that's on that stuff is on me, and that's not necessarily a, a critique of the movie. But it began there, and then the lines, the lines of dialogue that I was hearing, and the acting, which I really thought was bad. And like I said, I didn't think Pacino was was good in this movie, but 
the only the only two actors that I like could stomach their performances from were Stephen Bauer, who plays Manny, and Robert Loggia, who plays uh, Lopez. <laughs> I thought they were fine. I, I like Stephen Bauer a lot in this. He's good, and he's the only one that's Cuban. So his accent maybe was more authentic than everybody else's. But, I mean, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio was awful. Michelle Pfeiffer is awful. And okay, well, I just... That's an interesting thing. So can I... I think the Michelle Pfeiffer character, to me, is, an, is embodies your internal tension here with this film. Because I think in one way you could look at her and you could say, she's not doing good work. She's a completely off-putting character, even though she's like maybe the moral center of it. Um, you don't like her. She's not really. You don't see that she has any feelings for Tony, and even really feel that Tony has feelings for her. Or beyond, she has any feelings exactly right. beyond um, just her being a trophy. Um, but or you could look at it like she is. She is the moral center of the film. Her performance is realistic to someone who lives a life of apathy and drug use and has is trapped in a in a place they don't want to be um and so i i and, and i i don't know where i fall down on that i i think like part of me thinks i, I think she's the character's really bad written. she's bad and it's poorly written another part of me goes maybe that's the perfect character maybe that's the embodiment but it does feel in conflict at least with for me with the first half of the film which is like you know the instruction manual let me let me just and and i'll say a couple positive things about this movie that unfortunately didn't save it because i kind of felt like they were to no end i i did respect some of the things de palma was doing in this movie you know he i but it felt a lot of the times like he was trying to direct his way out of the mess that this movie was i mean he does some very hitchcockian things you know especially the Seen in New York when they're ch- following the car with the bomb. Um, I liked, I actually really like the scene with the chainsaw, the way he kind of takes the camera out of the out of the room, down to the car, then back up. So, can you give I, an example think, of out of what? Like, like when he's directing his way out of what? Like, what? Like, what? I just feel like there's so much chaos in this movie and that it's so bloated that, and like you guys both pointed out, it's so blunt that there's no room for any art Mm. and i felt like you could see de palma trying to infuse it and trying to do some interesting things throughout the movie there's a lot of kind of cool shots with mirrors that he works with a lot of great crane work i think right really yeah camera movement so he's doing some good things here but i felt like it was to no end because i felt like it wasn't adding anything to the movie it was adding some things on a scene-by-scene basis and i thought that that was interesting Mm. but the movie is just so chaotic and excessive and then but then but the story's excessive it is and i think in a it's way they tried to make this movie a bit self-aware i mean there's a line michelle pfeiffer has a line that says nothing exceeds like excess and then she she comments on his cadillac and says she wouldn't be caught dead in that thing it looks so ugly so like you know, all that 80s ridiculous looking decor, you guys were wondering if that was intentional. I think it absolutely was. And they were trying to comment on that to a certain extent. But I just felt like that didn't bring the story together. That was mm-hmm. all just kind of there. 
that with some nice touches that De Palma added, maybe maybe a couple things in the script. I do think, and you guys watched the De Palma documentary, and it sounded like Oliver Stone was a, kind of a pain in the ass and was you know on the set directing, and De Palma had to tell him to leave. I have a feeling maybe that caused some problems in what we ended up with. Um, from that documentary, it sounds like De Palma ha- consistently has issues getting the movie that he wants to have. And so I think that all of that stuff in the background affected the final product of this film and blurred maybe what was they were trying to get across. Have you guys so, seen some of his other movies from around this time, like Blowout and like Body Double or Dress to Kill, any of those films? I saw Dress to Kill. I saw Dress to Kill recently. I saw Blowout a really long time ago. Um, I have not seen Body Double. I haven't either. Sorry, Jeremy. I interrupted you. Um. Well, to Lee's point, like, I think you're making a lot of good points, and I think it's there, but I think what I sort of, and I'm sort of falling in the middle, I feel like, but I clung to those moments when I saw them. I clung to that, those De Palma crane shots when it's going through, you know, in and out of the hotel, back onto the street, these huge set pieces going under the freeway, um, the the set design of all the, you know, his interior mansion and all that stuff, um, I and if you if you let yourself enjoy Pacino's performance, then you have something sort of to cling on to. But what I sort of wrestled with was because I enjoyed Pacino's performance, this idea of an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And where when does an anti-hero sort of just become a villain? And that's that's where I, that's the part I sort of wrestled with here because you like you compare him to like I thought a lot of narcos when watching this movie and how there's just you know that's just the world of drugs and there's no you know Pablo Escobar isn't a redeeming character but um you know he's a super interesting character so what's the difference here between Pacino and that and I also thought like comparing him to himself in Godfather, which is another anti-hero that I think works really, really well. So, like, what is the difference? And part of it is just there's more layers on the Godfather for what he he seems to care more about his actual family and stuff like that. I, so <clears throat> that's that's what I wrestled with is that part of enjoying Pacino's perform over the top performance, but also being like, what point does anti-hero just become a villain and somebody that has no redeeming qualities? Do you empathize with Tony in the same way I that you empathize don't. with like a Michael Corleone? No, or? not even close. Okay. Not See, even I, think, I think that's a big problem. And not even from the beginning. Like I never find him likable. Like he's a little bit, like you kind of get his charm a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. You know, right in that opening scene. Um, you get you kind of get his charm and like his you know maybe his sense of humor and they 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 try to make him not even an anti-hero they talk about how he he makes his speech about how he's a political prisoner nothing they can do to him that castro hasn't already done they try to make castro the the villain and then half hour i don't think the movie movie that is gone that's I don't gone. think the movie ever tries to i think that's just tony talking his way out of well, something sh- sure that's fine right fine but they try to make him likable and charming after that, like you, you as soon as you start to recognize his ambition, I lost any any favor for him, and 
I just felt like you couldn't appreciate his rise because one, I just I had I struggled with the performance, but two, I just didn't. You just don't like him. And but what what about Paul Muni's character in the original? I think he's just as unlikable. There's nothing to really hold on to for him either. Okay, then that's the answer. I think Paul Muni's amazing in that movie, and I don't think Pacino is good in this. So maybe it's just the performance. Um, I also just think with the original Scarface, like I I just think Howard Hawks, his direction in that movie is is so ahead of its time and so innovative that it elevates that movie so much that maybe I'm more forgiving of a of an anti-hero in in that movie than I am in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to ultimately this movie being too blunt of an instrument for yeah. me to really say I love this movie. But again... I think we should have this podcast again in 10 years because I want to, I really want to know where I land because I enjoyed watching it. I'm not going to lie. I, I yeah, really but enjoyed I don't know. it. Lee's kind of convincing me. I feel like you're, you're making some headway with me. <laughs> All right. Let me see what else I got in my notes. Um, I don't just, have much, much else to I, say, but the reason I ask about the, if you guys had seen the other De Palma is that like, this honestly feels like kind of a conservative like I feel like he's dialing his style back a little bit. Like some he of those mo- movies from the, that age are so kind of outrageous. And, and we talked a little bit about this on the Carrie podcast with Brantley uh, Lee. Like I, I think you know, you look at his, uh, you look at his style and the way he, it's so over the top in some cases and kind of like channeling Hitchcock in a way that's you know very unfiltered mm-hmm. and. It feels to me like, you know, it's almost un it's it's almost so pretentious that it's unpretentious. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's like, I, this is filmmaking. I'm using every, I'm f- taking every filmmaking uh, choice and making the most obvious thing just to make it as mo- as effective as possible. And, and the result of that is a movie that, to a layman, probably feels very kind of over the top and, um on first viewing a little absurd, but then I think you're supposed to kind of appreciate that. But like, so Scarface kind of drops that in the middle. Like it's not, I mean, it is a lot of it is over the top, but it's, it's also going for this kind of more subtle thing. Well, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to reiterate what I already, what I already said about De Palma's direction, but maybe this will, clear it up a little bit in terms of what I mean by saying like I, I like the things he's doing but it seemed to have no impact on the movie I don't know exactly what Oliver Stone's role was outside of writing this script but this if you watched this movie to somebody who had no idea and asked them who directed this Oliver Stone and Brian, or Brian De Palma I think you would say Oliver Stone it feels it looks it behaves a lot more like an Oliver Stone movie to me except for the fact that you see De Palma's direction in there a little bit, but it doesn't fit the movie. And so what if, what if this was more directed like a JFK where it's like a little grittier, quicker, uh, more edits, less crane shots. Do you think that would have fit this movie better? It might have. Um, it might have just because I don't know. Uh, maybe that would have, maybe that would have, um, meshed nicer with the chaotic nature of 
this movie and like I mean if you think about it you you end you end this movie on a guy that is so strung out on coke that he's you know blowing it off his desk pouring pouring it literally out of the container and and blowing it out of a uh, off of a pile the way that we do and like so how how does that make him behave you know chaotically and he doesn't really think about his, the consequences of his actions he murders his best friend who's like a brother to him just because he saw saw him with his sister and like he does all these irrational how just, things how do you justify that in the original i mean it's it is shot differently i mean yeah, I, but the look, motivation's still the jealousy. It, I know, and I, think, and I don't have a problem I, with that aspect of the story. And here's with another: the, his jealousy of his of anybody that's with his sister. I feel like that works fine in both movies. But here's an example of the De Palma flourish that maybe was over the top and didn't work. Is whenever he got jealous, it was like that sort of slow pan Almost in like kill bill and then like a kill billish yeah yeah um and it didn't fit the rest that doesn't fit the rest of the movie like all the but, music though i mean <laughs> well i i really particularly think the score is bad in this like it's it's some of the times it's like a bad funeral music when you're waiting for everyone to get there yeah that's um, the that's his the music for that's for his sister and elvira like specifically yeah, it, for them yeah yeah, it's the score in general is really lousy, and I hate the music as well, Lee. But I, I say whatever. It's not my, it's not my taste in music. I'm not gonna right. listen to this music. But it fits the time and the culture, and I think it fits the the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing: if you're going into this movie looking for the lesson, I think you're gonna be sorely disappointed. Um, if you're going into this movie looking for a wild time with gunfights, I think you're gonna Everybody knows that. get what. Yeah, well, you're okay. gonna get that. I could say the same thing about Boondock Saints. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> this is better than Boondock Saints. Jeremy, do you think the movie glorifies Tony's rise? Yes. I think it definitely kind of glorifies his rise. Do you do you think Tony's character's ambition is prevalent enough to justify the actions? Yes, I think I it's... Str- I struggled yes, with that. I definitely bit. think so. I think it is. He has that line in the car, and again, this goes back to the the misconception or the or the lack of understanding of from the filmmakers even maybe what the theme of this movie is and you know he says i want what's coming to me and he says yeah what's that he says the world and then they have he sees that blimp that's that's the pan pan am advertisement that says the world is yours and he he likes it so he gets a thing in his house in his mansion that says the world is yours and it's it's emphasizing this idea that if you want something enough you can get it you can get the world right and even when he dies the camera pans back and lingers on this idea that the world is yours. That's not the point. I don't think it's the irony that it isn't. Yeah. A big, this, like, guess, this big but, velvet room f- filled with nothing but a dumb pond with a tacky globe with the world okay. is yours on and, it. And a dead okay, body. So, so then fair enough. All right. If we want, if we want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that that was the intention, then that's fine. But, I can 
100% understand if you're watching this movie why you'd misunderstand what this movie's trying to say. Maybe. That if you if you have enough ambition, you can get anything you want, which is what Tony strives to do. But he's in but like okay. I think the 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 subtle things that subtle being a you know, relative term here. You know, he they're standing they're sitting at the um sandwich counter looking across and watching the guys the the big big timers enter the club you know yeah at the beginning yeah and manny who is like a poon hound the entire movie is like <laughs> look at that girl and and tony doesn't he doesn't see the girls he doesn't even see the cars he doesn't see that he just sees what does this guy have that i don't have that's what right. he says and throughout the whole movie even when he's like looking at elvira she's like He's not really even taking her in like she's attractive. It's more like, what will she do for my image? And ultimately, I think the conclusion is, and and to me, like it's so obvious that I think it kind of hurts the long term effectiveness of the movie. But like it's so obvious that it's like this. It's a vapid, empty result. Is that like he's got no he he has no love for her. She has no love for him. He's murdered his best friend. And his sister is dead, um, and and so he has nothing. He may well, he, have a, no. I mean, you're definitely right. Like, I, I like the idea, the point that you make about he all he wants is what he doesn't have, and that that speaks to every action that he takes with with whether it's with Elvira, whether it's with uh, his first boss, with with uh, his second boss Sosa. Is that the, the guy yeah, in Sosa, Bolivia? Yeah. You know who who he he. Of just and his way of doing it is basically just telling him to fuck off, and then holds well, a gun to him that, as long that, as he that's, can. That's what I thought was interesting. It's like for him to rise up, and this is what I kind of mean. It's like all he had to do was just shoot the boss, and there was, seemed to be no ramifications for quite a while until he became the top boss. It was like a video game. Well, they tried to. They tried to. I mean, they tried to kill him in the in the club. Um, and it's the same storyline in the in the um, original, and I also think the original being half the length helps. Yeah, um, this movie which again, is pretty is, loaded, and it just comes right back to the actually. same thing. Yeah, it look yeah, and it looks expensive. Um, anyway, well, I, those that's my point on, on this movie. I was I was disappointed that I disliked it this much. I I didn't. I expected that I would not like it as much as I once did or felt like I did, but I didn't think that I would malign it this much. Well, there was that, there is that scene in the restaurant, which I think is pretty good where, you know, he's the bad guy scene, but but before that, he talks about, (laughs) he talks about how this isn't, is this all there is to being wealthy? And he's sort of going through that turmoil of reaching the top and then yeah. not having anything. He has the, that moment. He's like, this all we get to do is drink ourselves silly, get liver right, spots, right. get fat, um, and then that's it. Uh, so it's sort of before the I'm a bad guy part. But I think that was an interesting moment because it is about this guy who just wants to get there and then he's there. And he has a relatively rational <laughs> thought about like whoa this is yeah. this is not good this is not good for us it's not healthy what are we doing what am i doing and i th- think that's like 
it, it never goes anywhere from there, but I think it's interesting he had that moment. And yeah, it, and, that's and I think, maybe I the self-awareness, my, yeah. My point about the watching the guys across the street and not even being able to appreciate, like, the women for what they are, it's like it, it was flawed from the beginning. It's not like it, his, in, his inherent need and want for power and status were were not was was wrong from the beginning i mean even if he immediately had it right right then right he wouldn't he wouldn't know what to do with it he didn't appreciate it he didn't appreciate the things that came along with it much less appreciate it uh, to begin with you know the the appreciate who was it for ultimately because like was it for his sister was it for his mom like what who it was this ultimately for because it never seemed like it was really for him Oh, I think it was for him, but it was so misguided and so sort of without merit or any sort of substance, so lack of, so uns- whatever the word is that that it that it it it, it seems that way to you because it's it's, it's no yeah. there, it's a it's a um it's a journey without an end. There's no there's no satisfaction to it. It's definitely for him. He goes to the scene where he goes to his mother's house when you first meet his mother and sister. He throws a thousand dollars on the table for him, and then he like sits back in his seat and he's like, "Your son made it, Mama. I made it. I'm a big shot. I'm the real deal." Like it just brags about how successful he's become. So like it's sort of a self righteous move to kind of go in there and you know make it seem like he's being good to his family. Yeah, but he's but... doing that to his family. He wants his family to say, "Oh, yep. great job." He needs somebody to say, "Oh, great job," or else what is? Yeah, he probably needs. He wants the pat on the back. Sure. Instead, he gets a know. bullet in the back. You've kind of convinced me, Lee. I'm a little. There, there. I remember this one. I used to watch Siskel and Ebert, and they they gave Siskel. They had they disagreed. You know, th- one gave thumbs up, right. thumbs down, and pretty sure Ebert convinced Siskel to change his rating by the end of the show, which was pretty cool. Or maybe it was on the this way movie, around. not on, on this, this movie, but on oh. on some movie. Oh. Yeah, Ebert gave this a you know whatever he gave four stars and. 100 on Metacritic for this movie back in 83, which... I think it's well-directed. It's just... I just think it's... Yeah, I, I do, too. But I think it I think it was... I think the movie that was directed is... Or the direction that you see is a different movie than the one we're watching. And another example of that, Lee, to your point, is just the beginning with all the documentary footage that you sort of associate with Oliver, Oliver Stone. Stone yeah, uh, which I, I kind of like that part. But I, I, don't, I, do too, I don't know but how much yeah. more of it I'd want to... That maybe this—that's the movie that needs to be made. Right. The movie of, that sort of integrated that history in more than just at the beginning. Do you guys? So, final question, and this is—I only thought of this um, because I know they ended up shooting a lot of this movie in California. They wanted to shoot it in Miami. Um, did did all of this stuff that we're talking about this this nineteen eighties Miami look? Did it look authentic to you? I thought so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, I, uh, I knew that detail about it being I didn't know until but, after. Um, yeah. I just wonder if, like, would, would would the realism of this being in shot in Miami add anything to this movie? Well, they or did, did they shoot, pull that off? Like They did shoot in Miami for two weeks, so they right. did get stuff in Miami okay. to, to fill it in. I think um, it would have been interesting. I mean, I, I, I guess they prevented most of the production because of they were worried about, you know, the reputation of the city. Um, and, but yeah. I do think, you know, there might have been, I think, involving 
Cuban Americans in the production a little bit more would have been useful. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of those in Southern Florida, South Florida, South beach. All right, guys, you ready? All right. Well, you're going to explain the rules. So, or are we just going to go? Just going to go. So All we're right, moving get, on. Get your pistols out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd win. I'd win. All that. Right. No question. So we've got, we've got a competition here between Jeremy and Chapin. Not not exactly trivia, but it will test their movie knowledge. Um, Basically, it's going to be a point-based competition where they can earn points for the amount of correct answers they give. We'll go back and forth. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you – I have a couple variations of this, but the way I'm going to do it is you're going to get two actors. For the most part, you're going to get two actors, and you're going to have to tell me all the movies that they were in together. Now, so you're gonna, but not like we don't just yell it out. You are. You're gonna go back and forth. Yeah. So, uh, like, Jeremy will go first. Now, um, you get a point for each movie you get correct. Yeah. You get an extra point if you get all of them on your first turn. Oh, so you go as many as you can. Yeah. So, and then if you if you can't get, so you name how many you can. If you haven't named them all, it'll go to the other person to try to get a point there. This is only movies that have been released, and this uh, and the actors just have to uh, both have appeared in the movie. They don't have to both be stars. They don't have to have appeared on screen together. They both just have to have been in the movie, credited in the movie, um, so no uncredited voice in the movie or anything like that. Um, there are some options for extra points if you you know can name a movie and tell me why you named it, but I will make those determinations. Uh what do you mean Jeremy. extra points? Why would we get extra points? Yeah, for? like if we name it correctly. So if you if if you name a movie that I don't have here, I mean I have. Oh, I've you done, didn't think of yeah. that, and you can tell me like, oh, they were this person in this movie, and and we can c- confirm that, then I can take care of points that way. Um, all right, Jeremy, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go. We're going to ease into this, okay? Okay. Um, and two actors we've talked quite a bit about. Recently, Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet. All right, so they were in Little Women. They were in Lady Bird. That's it. Uh, that's you got it. it. Okay, good. They're going to be in the French Dispatch together, but has not been released. So three points because you got you got both of them right, and <laughs> and you got both of them right, and uh, the extra point. Now, Chapin. Yeah. Robert De Niro and Marlon Brando. Ooh. The score. Okay. Now, if that's it, you're supposed to tell me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Um, is there a time limit here? Oh, hang on, hang on. Don't do this one. This is not... Sorry, I'm going to give you a different one, Chapin. Oh. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why can't he do that one? Because I messed that one up. Because I had I had something else written there, and I changed the actors, and <laughs> now the answer's not right. Oh, um, Amy well, Adams and Joaquin Phoenix, Chapin. That's your, this is your first one. Ugh. Ugh. Um... Amy Adams and Joaquin Phoenix. The Master. Okay. 
<laughs> you got 10 seconds. Anyway, it should be dead air the whole time. Yep, that's the idea. <laughs> Thanks for great podcast. Four, three, two, one. Jeremy, chance to steal a point. There's were they one... both in her? Yes, they were. Fuck. That's so good. Good for you. Is that it? That's the end of the game. Oh, <laughs> no. I got I got lots. So there's a lot of points to be a lot of points to be gained. All right, Jeremy, you're up. Yeah. Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Wait, did he? So I didn't get a point for that. He stole it from me. You got one point. You got a okay. point for the master. All right. So they were in La La Land. Um, why am I blanking now? Because they were like in a bunch together. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone. Oh, uh, Crazy Stupid Love. And that was kind of where they started. Crazy Stupid Love, La La Land. Um, I don't know. I don't All know right. what the last one is. Chapin. Gangster Squad. Gangster Squad. Oh, I wasn't going to get that. wasn't going to get that. All right. That's not bad, though. Two points. What's the score? It is five to two. Chapin. What? Oh, the fuck? No, I thought I had six. I already marked six down for me. You got four. You got three on the first oh, one because you got works, Lady Bird know. and Little Women plus the extra point. Yeah. That's three. Then you stole, yeah, stole her. Stole one. Stole yeah. her. So that's uh, that's four. And then, then those two. I have. five, six. Yeah. Yeah. So you said five. Oh, I have six written down. Sorry. Um. All right. Uh, Chapin. Yeah. Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. Ooh. Far and away. Eyes wide shut. Days of thunder. Very good. Nice. Extra point nice. too to tie it up. Nice. I was ready to steal that. Days All right. of thunder. Not to be confused with days of heaven. Okay. Jeremy, it's gonna start yep. getting tougher now. Okay. Oh, great. And I have these questions. Some of these questions, I. I I'm giving to you one of you for a reason because it may be easier for the other person. So keep that in mind because they could steal some points from you. Benicio Del Toro yeah. and Josh Brolin. Uh, Sicario. Okay. Um, were they in an Avenger? <laughs> yep. Avenger. <laughs> uh, uh, which uh, end game? Well, I'm going to give you the Avengers. Okay. I'm going to give you the uh, Avengers one. Wait, it's is that infin- one or is that it's two? It's Infinity. He yeah. gets one point for Infinity War. Um, Sicario. The second one. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Sisalis <laughs> or whatever it is. Day of the Soldado. Day of yeah. the Malikia Sistrata. Um. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. Three burials. Nope. Okay. Oh, okay. Chapin. Oh, there's, there's more. One, there's one more. Give you five seconds to steal it if you'd like. No, come on. Ten seconds. Ten seconds to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, these rules are uh, very relaxed. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. What is it? Inherent Vice. Fuck, you're right. Damn it. All right. Chapin. Mm-hmm. 
Donald Sutherland and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, come on. That's such a hard one. What do you mean, shrug? I mean, I just think it's going to get okay. harder. Okay, okay. Um, D suds. Can't Google it. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's trying to Google. No, it. I'm not googling. I'm not googling anything. It's over on his screen to his right. <laughs> Ten seconds. <laughs> no, you didn't count. You're only counting down for me. Well, yeah, Jeremy's answering. You're not answering. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you're not counting he has down. Two Jeremy's screens. Answer. One over here. Tommy Lee Jones. One over here. <laughs> look it up. Look it up. Look it back and forth. Five, four, three, two. One, Jeremy, can you steal any? Ad Astra. There's one. Fuck. Um, uh, uh, yeah, that's the only one I could think of off the top of my head. JFK and oh, yeah. Space Cowboys. JFK might have been able to get eventually. All right. Now, doing something a little got, bit differently here. Space Cowboys. I'm going to do something a little differently. Jeremy. Yeah. Name the Denzel Washington movies directed by Spike Lee. Point f- he, point for each one you name. He Got Game. Okay. Malcolm X. Okay. Um, Malcolm X, He Got Game. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pull another one. Chapin. Inside Man. Yep. There's one more. One more? Yeah. What did Jeremy say? He said Malcolm X and he got game. I would never have gotten another one. I have a guess after, but it won't count. You would have never (laughs) gotten the other one. Five. Is she in in She's Gotta Have It? No. Is it Jeremy? Summer of Sam? No. Mo Better Blues. Nah. All right. Uh, Chapin? Yep. What's the score? The score is 12 to 7. Oh, my God. 12 to 7. Start up what's, what, the... is this, what is this up to? Uh, I mean, I got a lot of questions, so I'm going to get through until we uh, hit the end. And well, we then... should put a point. We should put a point to total. No, we shouldn't. Chapin? Here's your chance. It happens to fall to you. It's your chance to earn a lot of points back. What the what the hell? You said it's, you're giving these to particular people. Well, you would you would get these too, I think. Name the Robert De Niro movies directed by Martin Scorsese. Ah, oh, Taxi Driver. <laughs> you can't get any of them. Taxi dri- Taxi Driver. Yep. Uh, Raging Bull. New York, New York. Yeah, that's one. Mm-hmm. That's three. Goodfellas. The Irishman. Oh, what's that one called? Um, Casino. Uh, fear. Something with fear. What's that fucking movie called? Um, 
Cape Fear. Uh, mean Streets. Son of a bitch. I think you got them all. I got them all? Can I steal one? I, he didn't. Oh, no, he didn't get them all yet. How much, time, how, many, how much time left do I have? Five seconds. One more and you get an extra point if you can get this one. That sounds about like five seconds. Three, two, one to Jeremy. King of comedy. King of comedy. Damn it. Wow. Chapin crawls his way back in. Takes what's what's the, the score? 15 yeah. to 13. Yeah. That wasn't fair. All right. Jeremy? Yeah. Uh, where is the one I was going to give to you? Name the Francis McDormand movies directed by the Coens. Uh, Blood Simple. Uh, Fargo. Um, uh, um, Fuck. I don't know. Ooh, Chapin. Can you steal any? What was it that he said? Blood Simple? He said Blood Simple and Fargo. Uh, She's in Burn After Reading. She's in um, Hail Caesar. She's in... um, She's in um, uh, The Man Who Wasn't There. Any more? There are there is one more. She's in um five seconds. Is she in Barton Fink? Nope. Okay. Raising Arizona. Fuck. Okay. All right. Chapin. Mm-hmm. This one's a little bit different as well. Name the three actors who've appeared in the most Paul Thomas Anderson movies. And if you get them in the right spot in terms of who was most second and third, you get an extra point each. So possible six points here. Say, say that one more time. So the, the, the first part of the question is na- to name the three actors who have appeared in the most Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Okay. And then you get an extra point. If you get them in the right order, you get an extra point for each. Now, the third one there's a tie so all you have to do is get one of the one of the three people that have been in the same amount but so i have to i have to tell you the the most one first right if you want the extra point but if okay. you just name them you correctly you get a point okay philip seymour hoffman is number 1 correct <clears throat> um so, so that's two points uh, this is. I, mean, I don't even like. Pe- people to are gonna listen to this. Jason. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, um, Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. Three, two. Uh, no, no, um, 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 you know, his name is... <laughs> two, one. One. All right, oh, Jeremy. William H. Macy. No. <laughs> anyway, nope. Jeremy, uh, you want to add any? Yeah, number two, I'm going to go with John C. Riley. 
note, but you get a point because he is one of the he has been in three of his movies. Okay. Um, then I'm gonna go Philip Baker Hall. No, he's been in three also, but you got the point for John C. Riley there. Melora Waters has been in four, and Philip Seymour Hoffman has been in five. Who? Melora Waters. She plays John C. Riley's gal in Magnolia. Uh, she plays a porn star in Boogie Nights. Yep. Everybody does, though. Um, all right. Jeremy, same yeah. idea. Name the two actors who have appeared in the most Tarantino movies. Extra point if you get them in the right order. Okay. Well, two actors most. The reason I only have two is because after the two, there's a bunch that have, there's like a huge list that have been in the same amount, so. All right, well, I'm going to go with Samuel L. Jackson as number one. That's correct. Two points. And I am going to go with Steve Buscemi as number two. Nope. Nope. Chapin? Oh. Kytel. Nope. Fuck. Michael Madsen. Ah. Oh. All right. Back to the original... original um, way we were doing things. Jeremy, Bruce yeah. Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. Pulp Fiction. Okay. Um, Bruce Willis. So there's there's one of, one of these on here. You get two points if you get it, and you'll still get the extra point if you get all but that one. Okay. Uh, uh, so what's the stopwatch at? Just wondering. <laughs> Ten seconds. Uh. <laughs> Five, four. Oh, Die Hard two. Three, two, one. No, nope. I don't know. Die Hard three and Loaded Weapon. Oh, two points for Loaded Weapon. Okay. He's never gonna get that. Die Hard three with a vengeance. Yep. Any more? Unbreakable. Yep. Ah, uh, that one. Glass. That's it. Chapin, plus the extra point for... Oh, no, you don't get that one because Jeremy named some. But you still got two points for Loaded Weapon. Well done. Fuck, I hate this game. All right. You're winning um, before. No, I'm not now by a lot. Uh, that's close. Because you get like 50 seconds every time. <laughs> it's 25 to 19. Uh, and it's Chapin's turn. Uh, let's do Russell Crowe and Jennifer Connelly. Now, this should be fairly easy. I mean, A Beautiful Mind. Hmm. Got to count down the Crow movies because that's the easier one to do. Yeah, but he's been in a lot and you have a time limit. Hmm. Okay. I don't know why you're laughing at me. I mean, I'm winning, so. <laughs> what else were they in together? Ten seconds. I don't know that they were in anything else. They were. They were. Okay. Uh, I believe. I did, I did think about playing that trick, but. Mm. Mm. Five, four, three, two. Jeremy, any points you'd like to steal? The only other one I can think of is Noah. 
That's one of them. That oh, counts. shit. And then a movie called Winter's Tale. Wasn't oh, going to get. Wasn't yeah. expecting anybody to get that one. Um, all right. Jeremy. No, I'm not going to give you that. Uh, you know what? I will give you that one. Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. All right. Adventureland. Yep. Um, what else were they in together? Uh, Kristen Stewart of Twilight fame. <laughs> Who's the other person? Jesse, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg. Eisenberg of the Social Network fame. Um, they weren't. It was. Were they in Zombieland Two? See that one. So. Okay, Chapin. Adventureland. You already said that. I said that. Oh. Um fuck. It's that stoner movie, but I'm forgetting what it's called. Does that Ooh. do I win if I get nope, that? You're on the right track, but um it's like green herbal leaves something leaves. No, that's not it. Um All right. I'm gonna... ninety eight seconds. Ninety eight. Uh... No, you're not even close. American Ultra. Yeah, that's and what I meant. Cafe Society. Oh yeah, I Cafe Society. Chapin, All right? We're winding down here. So What's the score? Can you give a score, score, please? Yeah. Okay. Twenty-six to twenty-one. It's a five-point game. Chapin, Edward Norton, and Naomi Watts. Um, <clears throat> the painted veil. Oh, I didn't think you were gonna get. That. I was like ready to steal that. I don't. One. I don't know how that just popped into my head. Honestly, <laughs> I was gonna say the Illusionist, but then I read remembered that it was called the painted veil. Um. <laughs> Uh, The Painted Veil. Yep. Tick, 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 tick. Time is running out. Uh. Five, four, three, two, one. Jeremy. To steal Uh. a much needed point. Watts. Was she in I really don't know. Was she in Isle of Dogs as a voice? No. Oh, Guys, okay. Birdman. Oh, of course. Oh, Wait, uh, she's in Birdman? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. That. Jeremy. Yeah. Um chance to get some points here. Um hmm. now part of this oh, I'm not gonna say it yet. Casey Affleck and Matt Damon. Okay. Uh, Jerry. Yep. <laughs> Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting 2 a- Applesauce. <laughs> hunting uh, season. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I got Jerry, Goodwill Hunting. Um,. Is there a lot of them? There's three more points on the table here. Four if you got them all. Holy crap. Um, I don't know. All right, Chapin. Um, Manchester by the Sea? No, nope. Matt Damon's right. not in that. Wait, wait, I don't get it. I don't, I, I, no, I'm out automatically. You, you guess oh. wrong, you're out. Oh, Guys, I Oceans left. 11. 
Ah, oh, fuck, yes. And I was only counting Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 as one movie. Chasing Amy and Interstellar. Oh, fuck, of course. I just, we've all, we just watched that, too. <laughs> Damn it. Wait, wait, wait. He, I didn't know Casey Affleck was in Chasing Amy. So I, I had to confirm it. He's so, he's so young. He's got a small part, but it's a speaking part. Um, all right. Jeremy, no, it's Chapin's turn. John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg. Is this me? Yep. <sighs> Buggy Nights. Hmm. A lot of dead air in this episode. Um, geez. Wow. Five. Four. I feel like my, the countdown is always Three, much more severe on me. Two, but, um, one, Jeremy. I, I just I don't honestly know what else they're in together. Are they in the other guys? Nope. The Perfect Storm. Oh, of course. Uh, I wasn't gonna get. All that. right, so I'm gonna give you each one more turn. Okay, the score is Chapin is in the lead with 28. Jeremy has. 23. So he's down by five points. That's, that's not All even right. possible to get back five points. Uh, I'm going to make it possible. All right. But it could depend on what Chapin does with. Wait, didn't Chapin just go? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he just went. Because Chapin goes last. So actually, Chapin may not need his last turn. Um, All right. Jeremy. Yeah. Let's do, let's do, uh, oh man, I've done most of them. I'm trying to find one that can get you the points. Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. All right. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Um, that other David O. Russell movie, uh, American <laughs> Hustle. Um, that other movie with David O. Russell. <laughs> uh, oh, they're not both in there. Joy? Yep. Oh, whew, three. There's one more, which I will give you two points if you get it, plus the bonus point. Oh, God. Wow. And they're both in another movie together. And you need both of these points to tie. Um, I'm not gonna get it. Uh, nah, you're probably not. Yeah, Chapin. Uh, I, I know the movie you're talking about. I don't remember the name of it. It's like a woman's first name, like Sylvia or Margaret or something like that. Very close. I'm tempted to give you a point, Serena. Uh, All right. So, well, Chapin uh, can't lose. Fuck. Chapin, you have 28. Jeremy, 26. Well played, gentlemen. Destroyed. <laughs> destroyed by two points you guys should both be embarrassed with some that you didn't get although I will say that loaded weapon was the most impressive answer that, thank you that goes to, a, yeah. goes to Chapin uh, Jeremy was the only one that got the X the bonus point for getting the whole filmography correct. I think what really changed this was the De Niro Scorsese thing I think whoever got that was going to win yeah because there were a lot um, There's a lot, and it's easy. 
But you got a point out of that one, though. Um, so I put a lot of work into that. Kind of wish I could have played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have got them all right. Jeremy, you should build a game because you're a game builder. Yeah, we'll just uh, we'll do that. That sounds good. <laughs> okay, well, that'll wrap things up for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I hope that you stuck with us during all that dead air. We call it Chapin thinking time. <laughs> Chapin, it was I good mean, to it have worked, you. So. It was good to have you back. Yeah, on the it's podcast. Good to be back. I liked I, I liked your podcast, guys. I listened to it yesterday. I know you guys don't listen to the ones you're not on, but I listen to the ones not, not true. I'm not on. The, yeah, the one I listen to them all. <laughs> you haven't listened to the Star Wars one. You said the, you except had. for the, I was going to say except for the Star Wars one. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I thought you guys were great. It, honestly, like it brought up, um, it brought up some interesting feelings that I think might be worth discussing at at another another time. Okay. Sounds good. We'll leave you with that, everyone. Good job, guys. Good job. Thanks for listening. Make sure you email us feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. Let us know what you think of Brian De Palma's Scarface. Let us know what you think of Howard Hawks' Scarface, if you have, in fact, seen it. Um, The uh, the original one is available on Prime. Is that correct? Or do you have to rent it? No. I had to rent it. Oh, so I'm wrong. Um, Either way, watch the original one. Comes highly recommended from me. The other one, take it or leave it. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee. Uh, oh, I thought you were, were going to do spend... this intro in the... Uh, you're not going to do it in a Scarface voice? Listen, man, I'm, let me finish what I'm doing, okay, man? Okay, man. A pelicans. You, 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 may... you sound more like that cartoon <laughs> mouse. No, no, no. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. It's, no, I'm going to get it, so... Okay, so we're just gonna keep trying this. I just want to. I'm also working on my Bane, my Joker, and my Batman for the okay, uh, for the Nolan. Yeah, that that'll be good. Mm-hmm.